Welcome back to America's leading higher education podcast, The EdUp Experience, where we make education your business. Hosts Dr. Joe Salustio, Elizabeth Liba, and producer Elvin Freites bring you the brightest and most influential minds in higher education today. We explore innovations, ideas, and issues in higher education and beyond, and hopefully have a little fun along the way. Now let's get to it. Incubata is a global media agency that specializes in helping colleges and universities surpass their enrollment targets by providing a suite of marketing services that schools need to maximize brand awareness and application submissions. With their dedicated account teams, full campaign visibility, and a global reach, Incubata can help drive and improve your student enrollment efforts in the U.S. and abroad. Incubata is currently offering a free audit of activity and a customized geographic targeting report to help your school learn about new opportunities to recruit students. To learn more, reach out to Luke DeMarco at ldemarco at incubata.com. That's L-D-E-M-A-R-C-O at incubata.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the EdUp Experience, where we make education your business. I'm excited today to fill in for Joe or Liz. I don't know who I'm going to be today. Um, Stacy, who do you want to be today? You know, I'll go with our silver foxy fox, Joe, today. Okay, you be Joe. I'm going to be Liz, <laughs> and I'll never be able to feel fill her shoes properly because she's an amazing social justice warrior. She has done so many different things, but I'm happy to be here. And I'm really excited to talk to the guests that we have on the line. It is Michelle Westford, and she's the chief university officer at Instride. So welcome, Michelle. How are you today? Good. Thanks. How are you? This is wonderful. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're excited. And Stacy and I love filling in for Joe and Liz because we get to have great conversations with people like yourself. Um, so getting into things, we want to know more about you. So the EdUp experience is all about telling your story. So how did you get to where you're at today? Tell us a, a little bit about your background and your story. So I spent the last 20 years in some form of higher education, really solving for um, access, solving for enrollment and marketing. Uh, I worked for a career college for over 10 years. And then from there, uh, globalization efforts that really focused on partnerships for US universities. Um, and what I recognized in, in my particular career is that I loved being around um, individuals that wanted to learn more, that wanted to do more, and, and that there were, was opportunity to make incredible impact and change. So I um, think back to my high school days when I actually created a pathway for myself uh, that I knew that I needed to take certain courses uh, in order to um, achieve what I wanted to achieve, which was actually to go to dental school. Uh, and I thought that the best way to do that was uh, via dental hygiene school. It turned out it didn't work out quite well because uh, it, it really wasn't for me. And uh, that is part of what I think about all the time today in my career is I think about developing pathways for individuals, um, having access to the right information, choosing the right opportunities. So um, being at Instride helps, really helps me think about what I learned early on in my career and then throughout the last 20 years. 
That's wonderful. So you kind of did your own interdisciplinary high school course choosing. That's, that's unbelievable. Cause you know, we really don't think about that until higher education. Like we, when we can really take control, we kind of just take the courses that are expected of us. So you were so aware that you decided your own path. Uh, that's amazing in itself, you know, being that young and being aware that you needed to take certain courses. Um, you know, in K through 12, that's, that's, that's unheard of. What do you think, Stacy? I think that you were way ahead of your time, Michelle. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to Holly's point, right? Like to be able to understand how to create a pathway, you know, as a, as a K-12 and especially a high school um, administrator throughout my career, I know the difficulties and the barriers faced by our high school students and just the system itself. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about how did you do that, especially, you know, several years ago when that wasn't even, I don't even know if pathways was, was a thing when, when I was in high school. Right. So here's the real story. And my mom reminded me of this recently. It was funny because I, I have coffee with my mom in the mornings. And so she says, you know, do you remember that time that we were called into the guidance office and they said that you, um, you know, th they were inefficient in helping you choose your career. And I said, well, what does that mean? I said, well, clearly my delivery was wrong and I really needed to think about ways to help them get on my side. But I thought if I wanted to achieve this goal of being a dentist, right? That the path that was available to me meant that I needed to take courses that wouldn't help me in, in that way. So um, I, I'd asked a lot of people in the guidance office. I asked my teachers, I asked people, because that was one of the things that was, I was a curious, I was a curious kid. Um, and so I decided that I would take um, organic chemistry at the local community college at night. Uh, and then in the summers, I went to this uh, fancy prep school called Newark Academy in New Jersey, where I grew up. And by doing that, it actually opened this, you know, world for me that I was engaging and interacting with people that were not in my day-to-day -day regular high school class. And that's really what sort of drove me forward to say, you know, these are the things that I would potentially need to know from a skills perspective, from a knowledge perspective, but the people that I was sitting next to should be diverse enough, not only from, you know, uh, a, a life standpoint, but also in what they were interested in. And, and that's really what got me there. So uh, I applied to college after three years um, and I was accepted to the University of Pittsburgh, which had one of the best dental hygiene schools in, in the country at the time. And I was pegged as like somebody who um, was high potential. And, you know, quickly within the first year, uh, it was one of these situations that like it, it wasn't for me. And I started to recognize that like the choices that I made were simply because I thought I was stringing something together. And it would have been awesome to have, you know, a more prescribed path, if you will, ways in which people can say, if I do X, I will get Y. Um, and, and that was the thing that was missing for me. Uh, but yeah, look, I was 15 years old thinking uh, along those lines. 
Wow. I wasn't nearly thinking about anything like that at 15 years old. I was so focused on sports. Like I loved, I was an athlete. So you had to keep your academics obviously, but I, you know, what you're saying to me is just, it's so unbelievable and extraordinary that you were thinking about that and that you had that opportunity at the institution that you went to. Well, and you know, what's interesting to me, Holly and, and Michelle is that Michelle, you said I was pegged as somebody and, and then, you know, you went into as a high achiever, as somebody who had this high potential, da, da, da. whereas I was pegged as somebody quite, quite frankly, the opposite. Um, I took three, I was, I was put in three years of typing, typing one, typing two, typing three. So I think, you know, to your point on that is we have this notion that for 15, a 14, 15 year old, that you can put somebody in this, this all consuming box and that we've got that person all figured out and that, you know, to go to the guidance office or to go to whomever in, in education, that there's going to be an authority that's going to be able to say, here's the potential for your future at that age is, is quite um, interesting to me. And that you knew what you were pegged as. And that is, sounds like part of the reason why you felt like you needed to go in this certain direction. Yeah, well, and so, but there's an element of failure in it too, right? Because it didn't necessarily work out for me. And so what ended up happening is I transferred to a community, back to a community college, and then I transferred to a four-year institution and then, you know, took out loans. Uh, and then from there, you know, it was one of those scenarios where um, my, my third round of that was to go on for my master's degree. And again, more loans. And so, Today, we recognize that cost of education is certainly higher than when I went. Um, you know, it took me 15 years to pay off all my loans. Um, and to know that an employer can actually pay for that, that's kind of what keeps me up at night, you know, now is how can an employer actually impact some of those paths? And that's the work that I do every day, which is just inspiring and fun and um, you know, recognizing that, you know, there are ways in which we can impact people in, in pretty um, dramatic ways. Yeah, I was just getting ready to ask, and, you know, talking about your personal experience and academic experience. So getting into that, how does this impact, how has this impact your role or how does this impact your vision as the chief university officer at Instride? What, what do you do? Yeah, so uh, Instride enables employers to provide life-changing and um, really career-boosting opportunities through strategic enterprise education. And so we're an inextricable partner to a corporation to think through what do they need from a skills perspective? What do they need to support their employee base? Um, what are the things that they can do from a talent and workforce perspective that also helps them achieve their business objectives? So whether they're talking about um, more effective recruitment or retention of their employees or thinking about how a culture of lifelong learning really um, impacts their bottom line, uh, the work that I do at Instride focuses on which are the right academic partners for a corporation to lean in with? Um, I spend a lot of time vetting institutions for outcomes because I recognize that outcomes are um, a, a very important uh, part of this. It's not just about the financial aspect that a corporation can fund, but 
kind of learn or you know have a good outcome in the end of their educational activity. So I spend a lot of time doing that. Um, I spend a lot of time working with both corporations and institutions to understand and unpack some of those needs so that we can create a meaningful pathway that incorporates things that you know help a learner where they're at today, whether that's completing high school, if that's what they need, or um, the credits that they have from years and years, but they never completed college, uh, or perhaps it's a certificate, whether that's an undergrad certificate um, for credit, or whether that's a non-credit certificate where they're wanting to change the um, you know, work that they do, coding or uh, data analytics or digital marketing. Like these are things that we're seeing um, increase now, both from a learner interest perspective, but also some of the skills that corporations are looking for um, to continue to advance their workforce. That's amazing. And um, I, as I told you before we started this conversation, I host the Ed Up Ed Tech podcast. And one of the huge gaps I see in higher education is stepping from higher education into the career space. So that's that's a challenge in itself. And that's a challenge, you know, for older adults coming back to higher education. And also maybe they're looking to pivot into a different career. So I want to I want to know a little bit more about what are you seeing? What are the commonalities among the institutions that you've spoken with? And I've seen some of your site. They're they're pretty big ones. Um, what are the common themes that are coming across when you're having these conversations with the institutions about going from higher ed into the career space? So institutions are thinking about ways to serve the working learner um, or the working adult population differently than what they have in the past when they think about you know, the 18 to 21 year old. Uh, and one of the things that is really important in our partnerships is being able to deliver insights and data, uh, live market data about what's uh, happening in industry because that's been traditionally something that's not available to a university or not in their day-to-day -day thinking, right? Uh, very often they think about, let's stand up this program, let's do market research, let's figure out if you know, learners will enroll in this and let's look at uh, internally, do we have faculty that has expertise in this? Um, you know, and then it goes through a three-year vetting process and they stand up this program. Right, only to find out that A, it wasn't stood up fast enough and by the time it stood up, the market has shifted um, or uh, they, they start stood up the wrong programs or their expertise really wasn't in that. And so by partnering with institutions, a lot of the things that we um, are hearing is the work that you do really helps us to understand the direction that we should be going for working adults that may be different um, our policies uh, should be altered for working adults and how should those be? One of the things that we have heard before is that, you know, 10 credit threshold for uh, transferability. You know, if learners have nine credits, that all of a sudden it puts a pretty big population um, out of boundary for them. And so how do we look at the data? How do we analyze that together with them? How do we um, you know, help them make informed decisions on policy, uh, but also on new program growth and innovation. Um, you know, institutions are leaning into that. 
That's great. And I'm glad to hear that because, you know, it's very important that they they're leaning into that and they're accepting that as something that's a priority for them. Um, I think students really value that in in, in any student, not, you know, not your traditional students, your non-traditional students. You have any thoughts about this, Stacey? I see you unmuted. So I wanted to yeah yeah well you know that's my sign to you like unmute i'm here i'm still yeah. here listening <laughs> <laughs> oh wait we will talk about this later but i'm i'm gonna in a couple minutes i'm gonna ask you how many pages of notes you have michelle stacy takes copious notes every time she's co-hosting an episode and she just writes and draws pictures and it's wonderful yeah well uh, yeah, it's my strategy, right? Because I really want to lean into the learning. And so in order for me, and I'm I'm an ADHD girl, right? ADHD brain. So it's all over the place. And I've got lots of thoughts and lots of ideas. Um, and so if I'm really focused in and taking these notes and, and honing into keywords, so there's two things that happen for me. Number one, I'm really able to pick up on, on some of the major themes that are happening and Michelle and what you're saying and how that kind of weaves through. But the second thing is in a future conversation or something will spark my interest. I'll be like, wait, I talked to this Michelle in stride. I think you need to talk to her because there's a connection here. So, so there's a little self-serving there, but it's also a benefit to others. Anyways, as I refer to my notes in my lengthy notebook here. You're making me laugh. <laughs> You're making You're me great. laugh too. But I love what you said about really understanding the, the learner, right? And leaning into the learning. One of the things that we do um, on my team is thinking about what kind of data can we extract from the actual learners. And I'll tell you a couple of stats that we found and it might spark some um, ideas and interest, but we actually found that more than 80% of the learners and employees said that the educational um, activities and pursuits that they uh, embarked on actually made them feel more capable and well-rounded. Um, I think that that's so interesting because, um, you know, so many people want the same thing, right? They want to know that they can achieve something and they want that level of confidence. But what do you do to make people say, actually, it's okay to take this, you know, Ivy League certificate or um, you should actually complete your college degree if you haven't, right? And that level of um, security, that level of confidence that can be achieved through this was uh, one of the really great takeaways from our learner data. Um, we also found this that I think that you might find interesting is that almost 70% 70 70 of um, learners said that um, things would uh, open up new perspectives in their lives, right? And that's so similar to what I experienced, um, you know, as a youngster as well. Um, and then, you know, the, the fact that learning helps people make new networks. Um, if we look at the institutions that Instride has partnered with, alumni associations and alumni networks have been one of the really important reasons that people can say that the outcomes are positive in their, not only in their experience, but how that translates to better jobs, better paying jobs, more opportunity, more access, um, you know, and that's the, just the fun part of the uh, work that we do too. Higher education spending in paid media has increased immensely since the start of the pandemic. 
The shift towards virtual instruction and the importance of location-based targeting is driving much of the change, and it's only going to continue. Incubata is a global media creative and marketing automation agency that specializes in higher education by providing marketing services that schools need to compete today. With a focus on holistic strategies, seamless integration, and optimizing performance, Incubata helps make your media spend go further so you can get real results. As your semester comes to a close, it's a great time to review your current media's performance, and Incubata wants to get you started by providing a one-time technical audit that will provide details on how you can improve your current media activity, as well as a customized geographic targeting report that will help you understand which regions could provide the best opportunities for a specific program or degree. To learn more, reach out to Incubata's higher education specialist, Luke DeMarco at ldemarco at incubata.com. Wow. So data data always comes up in these conversations. And I'm, I'm it's great to hear that you're sharing that information and those statistics. It's like a statistic can really shift the mindset um, you know, especially the way in which it's presented and in, in for students and um, as well as those, those people who are in charge of making those decisions about what happens within the institution, whether that's through designing a program and how students are going to matriculate or how the curriculum is going to be set up. I'm an online learning person and I love online learning and I feel like I've been saying for since I like since 2012 I've been teaching online and I feel like I've been trying to convince people that this is a great method to use um, and it doesn't have to mirror what happens face to face and this is for all types of learning like what you do with the employers what you do with the students so it's good to hear that the statistics are proving this and the statistics are giving us the feedback that we want to hear regarding these things yeah right and so online has been around for quite some time but the programs that are designed intentionally are very different than what we experienced in this last year in this pandemic shift to let's just all go remote. Yeah, so it was like it was like online learning chaos. And yeah. when I was when you're thinking about it, it's not online learning, it's remote learning. It's remote like emergency remote learning. And I know Stacy feels the same way about this. Yeah, emergency being the key word and Correct. that we're right? We're in the middle of this right now. We're still in it. We're still in the midst of this um, emergency and, and you're starting to see the effects of it. Um, I just, I, my sense is an increased anxiety and increased wanting to quote unquote, get back to, to some sense of whatever we're, we're calling normal, if there is even such a thing. But um, I'm wondering, Michelle, what you're seeing as a result of the pandemic and how um, you've shifted what you do and how you're thinking about what you're going to be doing in the future. So, uh, you know, when we look at the actual uh, programming, I, mean, I, I couldn't be in more agreement on this emergency uh, online, you know, people wanting to go back to some kind of normal, whatever that may be. And what we're seeing is that corporations also do incredibly want to go back to some kind of normal, but we can compare the learning to also what they're seeing in their you know, structural, you know, workplace, are they going back to, um, you know, 
uh, an office? Is it going to be hybrid? Are they going to remain remote? And depending on the industry, right? Some have had incredible shifts and changes in their entire business models. Um, but I think that that's kind of similar to what we're seeing in education. We've seen an uptick in the number of um, you know, individuals that are interested in sort of short form credentials. We're seeing an uptick in um, the number of targeted investments that corporations are making. So it's less of a very broad um, education as a benefit kind of uh, mentality and more of a, you know, this is what we need to achieve um, in the next five to 10 years from a, a people trans transformation perspective. Um, and then ultimately, you know, this last year has put people in a hair on fire scenario and corporations are thinking, we need to put our people first now. We need to give back to these people. How are we going to invest in individuals to not only keep them, but keep them happy, keep them sane, keep them thinking, keep them growing, right? And so um, what our original thesis was to ensure that corporations would be able to you know, tap into those 35 million um, Americans who started college and didn't complete college, um, colored with so much more, with so many more opportunities to advance um, skills and advance, um, you know, different levels of education as well. And so uh, that's where we're um, going and our investments are not only in the technology around awareness and how people can access this information, but making it easier for people. Um, that is one of the things that corporations want. It's one of the things that learners want. And so, um, you know, that's where we're going. We're, you know, doubling down our, on our investments around um, technologies and um, around uh, efficiencies and really being able to partner with institutions to not only assess their um, current skills, but what are the future skills that they actually need? So this whole concept of uh, where we're going is certainly top of mind for us at Instride and all of our corporate partners. Wow, that and, and that's important that you are keeping those ideas at the top of what you do. So I want to I want to take this in a little direct different direction if you'll if you will implore me with this. Of course. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have a little fun here. So we're wrapping up March. March is Women's History Month and since we've got the we've got the three of us ladies on the line here woo -woo. today. Woo -woo. Okay. I'm wondering Michelle if you can speak from a strong female leader in this, in the space that you you're in and just some of the experiences or the challenges you faced in order to attain the level of success that, that you are currently at. So I love that question. I'm such a supporter of um, raising women up. I'm a part of uh, last year's uh, cohort five in the exceptional women awardees um, foundation. It was a true gift um, to be a part of, you know, this women's group that uh, elevates, um, you know, women in the sort of VP roles moving into their first C-suite role. And, and that was really me in the last year. Um, so when I think about, 
that in general. There are a few really inspiring things that I think I'd love to share with your listeners. And that's that when you have folks around you and you're surrounded by um, competent and strong and uh, thoughtful leaders, um, you know, you, you get a level of confidence that you wouldn't have otherwise had. And I'm really grateful for that. Um, and so I feel like a lot of my work is to pay it forward, is to you know, elevate other women, to share what I know, what I've learned, um, some of the challenges, which look at it's not always been easy um, to you know, sometimes be the only woman at the table. Um, and, and that's a, and that's a reality, but, um, to be able to hear your own voice and know that you've got, um, mentors behind you. Uh, one of the things that our CEO Vivek Sharma, and, and he's truly an inspiring leader to me as, as a female, I think about, you know, it's important to, uh, recognize, uh, not only the, the females that lift you up, but also the males that lift you up. They're incredibly um, an important part of, you know, everyone's career, truly. Uh, he put together this Instride Advisory Board, and just yesterday we had uh, Lynn Dowdy, who's the former CEO of KPMG, speak with the entire Instride um, team, and, and somebody actually asked her that question is, what are the challenges as a, a female leader, and particularly a strong female leader? And one of the things that she said, which really resonated with me, was that, you know, behind every strong male, there's a strong female. Behind every strong female, there's a strong male. Like that, that, that phenomenon is, um, is just a, an important thing. But the other thing is you can be incredibly accomplished and you can be, um, you know, strong and smart and, and have everything going for you. But recognize that there's a, a you know place to be down to earth and um, you know be real and be raw and, and she was just one of those people that I think is inspiring in the sense that you know her her reality um, is is just there in her tone and her delivery and, and her care for people so. Um, I think that that is, uh, she's certainly one. Um, earlier this week, I chatted with um, Meg Whitman, who's the former CEO of um, eBay, who, who's also on our Instride Advisory Board. Uh, she too, you know, pounding with questions. What do you think about this? Or how can I offer that? And, and these are um, the inspiring moments where as women, if we think about you know, not being scared of our ideas and ourselves, we can actually achieve more. And that, and that to me is sort of the essence of um, being a female leader. Yeah, that, it, thank you for that. You know, not being scared of our, our ideas, not being scared of ourselves, and knowing when to, to be down to earth, because I think the beauty of that is when we can be, like you said, be real, be genuine, allow that space for others to, to know they're human. We create a, a, a level playing field where other people can fully show up as themselves. And ultimately at the end of the day, that's when the best ideas, that's when the best synergy is going to happen when we create spaces where, and especially for other women can show up in our full vulnerability, transparency, 
uh, to be able to really make some of those strides. Did you like my play on the words there? Okay. <laughs> the <laughs> strides. <laughs> some, see, that's why I take lots of notes. Sometimes I get it right. Uh, but no, really, truly make those strides, not only for, for ourselves and our careers, but like you said, Michelle, mentoring and bringing others up along with us as we're, we're um, ascending into, like you said, the C-suite or VP roles or other roles within organizations. We need each other. Yeah, absolutely. We absolutely need each other. Right. And it's about empowering everyone around you. So um, every quarter I have my team uh, read a book uh, and then we we sort of, you know, uh, analyze and assess where we are and what key lessons and what we're learning. Well, right now we're um, reading Francis Frey's book, uh, Unleashed, uh, which is the unapologetic leader's guide to empowering everyone around you. Um, and there are so many really great lessons around, you know, bringing your authentic self, but, you know, having that sense of logic and authenticity and, and at the end of the day, bringing love, right? So if you can um, really share uh, your, your love um, and do it in a, sort of a kind and firm way, it's, it's you know, a, a way that you can create trust and that framework of trust is just um, phenomenal in the book. So there you go. There's my book recommendation and plug, but uh, certainly <laughs> we got it. It's recorded. <laughs> That's awesome. And I think it's great that you have everybody read a book and because not only do we not take time to do that nowadays, we're so busy um, with our work lives and work becoming the home space, becoming the workplace and in the school space and everything. I think that's important that you take the time to have your team read the book and actually have those discussions around it and how it impacts what you're doing um, at Instride. So I, I know we've talked a lot about a lot of different things here. We've gone from talking about the academic network, the technologies you're using, you know, the business growth and information. And I think one of your awesome pillars also in Instride is the meaningful social impact. So we're definitely getting into that conversation here when we're talking about women and empowering other women in your in your group and you know you know taking that along with you bringing people along so talk about some of the goals that instride has when it comes to making that meaningful social impact at the institutions or the companies that you're working with yeah so the way that i like to think about uh the social impact is really in three three groups or categories or stakeholders if you will right and if we think about the corporations um, and being able to serve their employees, one of the things that we hear consistently is that talent is their number one issue, right? And so talent right behind it is, is culture. These things are really important to corporations. And so um, as we know, uh, there's a shift towards more automation. We know that there's going to be, you know, a, a demand for, um, you know, new skills. We recognize that um, employees need to shift, right? So if we take visionary CEOs and we understand that um, their strategic investment in their people can not only create a you know, better attraction um, to their corporation uh, of people, but also retaining them, that there's going to be a, an ROI on the investment that they make in workforce development um, dollars in general, right? But we know that this is actually really uh, hard to do. So corporations have 
typically had um, tuition reimbursement programs, uh, but their take rate on many of these programs has been quite low. So how do we make it easier for corporations to create social impact? And so um, the, the key thing uh, about this is that we know that if we provide high quality educational opportunities, vetted programs, um, it's not only a way for a corporation to feel sound and secure about their investment, but also on that next stakeholder level, on the learner level, ensure that they don't make a bad choice, right? That is something that when we think about social impact, um, we want people to truly advance. So taking an outcomes first perspective on what people um, can achieve and you know, limiting any hurdles that they have, limiting the uh, amount of student loan debt, the $1.5 trillion that exists today for um, you know, upwards of 40 million people, uh, that's kind of an important aspect to it. And so when we think about that social impact and the RISE Fund, um, you know, certainly cares about that as uh, an, an impact investor for Instride, uh, is that the social and economic benefits that are created through higher education will ultimately uh, change how much an individual earns, um, and then ultimately social mobility, um, and, and hopefully greater civic participation, to be honest with you. I mean, isn't that what we could all use here in the US, but even globally. Yes, definitely. Uh, we could all use that information. We could all use the resources and to have those conversations openly and vulnerable, be vulnerable with each other about what's actually happening. And, you know, it's a part, I love the shift that's happening in the workspace where we're able to have these conversations and with each other, because, you know, you spend the majority of your life is spent with the people you work with, as opposed to your own family. So being okay. able to be that open and, and make the change for the greater good is something that is so necessary. Um, so thank you for what you're doing um, at Instride. And thank you for what you're just doing as a, as a woman in the industry. It's wonderful to hear um, about your experiences. What do you think, Stacy? Yeah, I'm inspired. I'm encouraged. I'm motivated. And, you know, I want to be like Michelle when I grow up. What can I say? <laughs> I know we're still growing up, aren't we? We're still, we're still working on it. <laughs> well, I will say this, ladies, it has been an absolute pleasure uh, connecting. But one of the things that's really important to me is to be able to say to you, but also your listeners, um, that my contact information is always available. And if anyone ever feels as though they need advice or time or, um, you know, just, uh, you know, somebody by their side, uh, I am certainly uh, one of those people that will never not respond to an email or a text or a call or a LinkedIn. So um, please know that, uh, you know, my contact information is available to you and your listeners. That's great. Thank you so much. And of course, that's going to be in the show notes as well. Um, and, you know, once we post everything, people will know where to find you, Michelle. And in wrapping things up here, Stacy and I have a final two questions for you. Um, so we want to know if there's anything that we've talked about a lot and we've said a lot here on the episode. And I don't think 
45 minutes does people justice all the time, but I'm happy that we get to have these conversations. So is there anything that we forgot to mention about Instride yourself that you want to share with the audience? And then the other question is, what do you see as the future of education? So we like to wrap it up and you give your Notre Dame's perspective on where is education going? So tell us about that. So I don't think that there's anything that we didn't cover, um, you know, that, that I would add. I think we covered quite a lot today. So let me dive into the future of education. Um, I think that education is certainly at a transformative time where we're likely seeing many more opportunities in online education. And as a result of that, we'll see greater scale, we'll see greater scope. Um, I think that there will ultimately be uh, a bit of a shift towards uh, more industry relevant credentials that's mixed in with um, traditional higher education. So ways in which learners can um, stack certificates and, and courses, um, different ways for us to globally recognize credentials, um, that if you take something here that that's recognized there. Um, and I would love to see that happen as soon as possible in, in you know, educational transformation in higher education. I think one of the other things um, that we're seeing in higher education sort of starting to shift, and I think it's actually a really good thing, is understanding that experiences are really equally as important. And we touched about this earlier on, you know, the, the um, emergency education versus really intentionally designed education. So, you know, can an experience help you uh, in order to, um, you know, learn something more different, but also how does it help you learn to learn, right? So um, I think higher education is shifting to that. It's the whole concept of work to learn and learn to work. Um, and if you can understand, um, you know, how to best achieve that, then no matter what the new skill that comes in, you'll be able to sort of attack that. And I think higher education is moving um, in that direction. And, and I'm really excited about all of the changes in higher education as a result of this pandemic that sort of accelerated things, but um, you know, going to a, a necessary uh, new normal of you know, combining the traditional routes and certainly my kids will be um, you know, going to college, that's not an option, right? But, you know, I, I wouldn't so much take the risk of saying, you know, don't go to a traditional institution and, and just do, you know, a random credential, right? So I think it's somewhere in between. And I'm, I'm really excited to see how that uh, unfolds in the future, too. That's great. And I'm excited, too. I'm really excited to see where this takes us. Uh, COVID has forced education to think differently about the way they do things. Absolutely. Um, so anything, anything else from you, Stacey, you have any final questions for and Michelle before we finish things out? Listen, I heard Michelle say that she responds. So I, I'll be sending her a little <laughs> side email to, to pick her brain for sure. But this no truly has been um, really amazing. I think it's interesting how, you know, this idea of working to learn and learning to work and those two not being mutually exclusive, 
I think we're we're really on um, hopefully a cultural shift for that because I'd really like to see how um, even our young people, I, right? I, I told you, I think before the call, I have an 18 and a 20 year old and even their work experiences now, whether it's at the local grocery store, which one is working at and one is working in a, in a warehouse while he's in college, those experiences are bringing different levels of skill sets and knowledge that we can just look at those a little bit differently. Um, look at education as something that's always there for you to access when you need it, how you need it, for, for the purpose you need it. I think we'll really see some different um, perspectives and abilities. And, and just I love this conversation today and love my girl power. <laughs> I love it too. It's interesting that your, um, did you say your son works at a grocery chain? We partner with a grocery chain. One of the things that was interesting to them is, you know, how do we take an individual and then turn them into leading a small team and then thinking in terms of leading the company, right? And that shift uh, is something that I want for my kids as well. So, so hopefully um, your son gets the, the opportunity to um, tap into that, like customer service skills, critical thinking skills, and, and all of that as you shift from sort of that individual contributor to the, the leader of the future. Absolutely. Uh, yes. Great point. What, yeah, what a great point to end the, end the episode on. So I'm going to stop there. That This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much, Michelle Westford, Chief University Offered in Stride for joining us and sharing all of this knowledge and giving us such a great perspective on everything that you're doing. And thanks for all that you continue to do for our learners. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, everybody, we hope you enjoyed that episode of the Edup Experience. To learn more about the Edup Experience, please visit our website at www.edupexperience.com and subscribe to our email list. Please share this podcast, head over to Apple, and please give us a rating and review. We appreciate your feedback. And of course, subscribe to the Edup Experience so you're notified when our episodes drop. Here at the Edup Experience, our goal is to make education your business. Thanks for listening.